and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And this would have been perfect if I'd been speaking to Jace a week ago, but it isn't because I'm speaking to him tonight because we're a week late, aren't we? Yeah, well, I've been in India. You so, have? Yeah, you know, um, the, my other job um, sent me to India for a week, um, Mumbai and Delhi. A truly remarkable experience. And the fact that I got in and out of many taxis and I'm still here to tell the tale is a bloody miracle, I'll tell you. I've never well, it's been nice so to terrified in my life. You weren't clinging... I was going to say, were you clinging onto one of those trains? But you've just remarked before we start recording that you don't do public transport. Well, not if I can help it. Right. No, I was in a taxi in Delhi and we were going round a roundabout and the taxi actually hit the middle of the roundabout and the car bounced back into the road. At which point I'm scrambling for my seatbelt, only to find that there is a seatbelt there, but it's got nothing to plug into. <laughs> but the taxi ride did only cost me £1.37. So, All right, know, okay. It was a cheap, death, cheap death then. And I managed to have curry for my lunch and tea every day. Oh. I could have had it for breakfast, but I didn't fancy uh, chili fish curry for breakfast, if I'm perfectly honest. I went for the easy option and had toast. Right. I, d- I don't know how to... I, d- I have no response. <laughs> I've no comeback to that. I'll just I'll just leave that one. Um, we're, we're joined, and I must say that actually as well, the, the fact that we're a week late in this episode has got nothing to do with our guest. It was absolutely due, due to us. So before I start, no, no blame on our guest. But we have... <laughs> Doug Cower with us from Cower Guitars. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I am absolutely the reason you're a week late. Thanks for recovering for me. And, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I too was in India. Uh, <laughs> I was at that roundabout and I do have some insurance information to share. Uh, I'm excellent. How are you, fellas? Re- really good. Do you know what I'm really pleased about that you're on tonight? is is because I really like that lamp that's behind you. <laughs> and, and, and I'd like to know where you got it from because that would look great oh. in my lounge. Uh, I will dig the info up on that one. Since yeah. I can't remember. I think I maybe Wayfair. I don't remember to be honest. Ironically, okay, very off topic. There's a lot of stuff in here that I have actually built. Uh, here I'm gonna do like a weird zoom pan. There's this big live edge table and a desk. That lamp is the one thing in here that I did not actually make. So awesome! <laughs> <laughs> well done, Anne. So the including the sofa and the you know are we I didn't that make far? the sofa, right? Okay, uh, but the table, but the table, and all the kitchen cabinets. That was all me. Uh, that wall here. No one's going to be able to see or care about this. But yeah, and the guitars obviously over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I long history of making furniture and stuff out of wood. You're already about the most impressive guest we've ever had on, really. <laughs> um, well, my current Instagram, the business's current Instagram tagline is, we're the best damn guitar builders in a 1.2 mile radius of the shop. So oh, I'll take the compliment. Oh. <laughs> so which of the guitar builders 1.3 miles away? 
I'm not sure, but there's got to be one. I'm, I'm assuming somebody's there. Uh, when Paul Roney used to share the shop with me, I couldn't even use that tagline. It was probably equally the best. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's. It, I figured it was time to mix it up. For a long time, it was a uh, uh, a noble tone in Biggins, the smallest amp. Uh, that's a Simpsons joke. Uh, and then it was builders of perfectly cromulent guitars. Also, the follow up to that joke from Sim- Simpsons, and so. I thought I'd mix it up here ah, a little bit. Ah, right, <laughs> right, right. Well, because actually, so we, so obviously, as you'd expect, we're we're deeply, deeply, um, you know, aware of of your story, and we didn't spend the afternoon on your website trying to find out as much as we possibly could about you. <laughs> and both of us had to look up cromulent. Yes, absolutely a made up word that is now in the dictionary, though, yes. because of it's it's reached popular lexicon status. Uh, props to the Simpsons. Uh, so- I think, I, you know, ironically, this is so bad. Everybody's like, oh, who inspired you? Who had the biggest impact in your life? And they're like, oh, my mom, my dad. My mom. I think Conan O'Brien might have honestly had the biggest impact <laughs> on my life. Like between The Simpsons and actual Conan. Uh, like, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, the Simpsons thing's kind of a, a runaway gag where it went from like, I just like The Simpsons and they would occasionally show up to being kind of being known for that as a shtick of ours and and then, uh, ironically, my oldest, who is 10, who, uh, this is a very big segue. We had a neighbor, because we just had Halloween, who decided that when he saw uh, someone else online, I assume until I went down, have a skeleton on a stripper pole, that he would do that also. And so my kid was riding with a friend of ours and his kids, and they drove past that. And Max goes, oh, look, it's the stripper pole. He's 10. Okay. He just turned 10. And my, my buddy, who's also a teacher, was like, how do you know that? What that is? And he goes, us. Oh, Nelson's mom's a stripper on The Simpsons. I know a stripper. <laughs> like, oh, my God, Max. You can't do basic multiplication, but you know this. I have maybe <laughs> failed you as a parent. Like, Anyway, we better start. Sure. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, it kind of segues in with the – obsession about simpsons because like your instagram feed is full of simpsons type memes as well isn't it with yeah quite possibly the greatest guitar i've ever seen in my life the mr sparkles guitar <laughs> yeah i i so that was a customer very strong repeat customer of mine who has a lot of weird interesting stuff from us and we, and we can circle back to this later, but we, we do a lot, or we have done historically in the last couple of years, a lot of these donation guitars uh, for charity fundraising and mm. stuff. And Dustin, who was one of the people, basically we would, whatever we were trying to support at that moment in time, we would do like a raffle and we would also do a, if you did a $2,000 direct donation, we would build what is supposed to be a builder's choice, my choice, Corona. Um, but at a certain point it kind of ran away from us and I just didn't want to think up all these different Coronas for people. And I didn't want to make the same one over and over though. I probably should have. Um, and so Dustin's like, Hey man, can we do a Mr. Sparkles Corona? And I was like, hold my beer, bro. Cause, uh, <laughs> I know where we're going with this one. And, uh, but it's kind of, it's one of those ones. Like we also just did the, the Moo print, um, where, I get a lot of credit. Like I had some big forethought and image and like exactly how this thing is going to be. But a lot of it is kind of a, just a rough idea. And then other things would kind of naturally align itself to work pretty well. And, and 
so both of those were that way. The the this kind of a uh, it's a much needed thing to do. Very weird to me. Random guitars to keep things interesting. Uh, I've been very fortunate. You know, like a lot of us were really busy during the pandemic. Surprisingly, uh, or not surprisingly, maybe in hindsight, but it was kind of nice. Like if like if I don't get to sneak something in like that, I'll go crazy. Like I I I just can't function solely on like we don't get rich doing it so i can't just mindlessly make caddy green banshees over and over and not want to just die uh <laughs> <laughs> like you know i don't want to be playing i you know i would love to be as rich as the rolling stones but at this point how have you not killed yourself playing satisfaction for the trillionth time like how do you just get up and do that and find any joy in it or do they like i you know we do 200 guitars a year and we only do maybe 10 things a year that are kind of repetitive. And even that's like, oh. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I, I read an interview with um, Paul Stanley and he, they, they asked him how he coped with playing rock and roll all night and party every day. Yeah. Like at every gig since 1973 or something, which must be thousands of gigs now. Oh, and he just yeah, went, I, I just really probably. love the song. And you're like, <laughs> <"Not> fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> I'll give you the undertext, the Dr. Nick answer. The best part was when he gave me my money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's sometimes how it goes, too. <laughs> but yeah, it's that one was really fun. And it was kind of uh, like, okay, like the Moo guitar. So we, we've that whole thing started as, I don't know. Seven years ago or eight years ago, I was picking up our the place that does all our print supplies for like NAM, like all the handout yeah, stuff, yeah. business card stuff. They're like, oh, hey, we just picked up, we just got this new giant, it's like the size of my CNC, but it's a UV transfer printer. So that basically we can print on anything you want to put on, wood, whatever. Oh, that's cool. And then in the back of my head, way back here was like, you could do something with that. That'd be fun. And then years and years go by and that idea is still back here. And then somebody asked about getting a Paisley. And I was like, man, that would be the perfect process for doing a Paisley. Like it, it would be, you wouldn't have to have the paper. You wouldn't have to bind, or, sorry, we could do the binding and you wouldn't have to burst the edge to hide the paper edge because it's, you know, we could just scrape the binding line uh, versus like doing the paper where you would have to kind of bind it after the paper goes on. And I'm like, this would be rad. And I was like, but before I commit to telling this guy we can do it this way, we should probably test one. And I'm like, it could do a Paisley. Or I could do that Moomoo print when Homer tries to gain weight to go on disability because that would be <laughs> hilarious. And that's what we did. And then then uh, that guitar, oh, man, it's so good. I This is very rarely this happens. I had a buddy. He plays uh, – he's an artist of ours. He plays with uh, in Kane Brown's band. But he's a guy I've known forever. You know, he was an early Titan customer and just a dude that is a – Amazing human being, great guitar player, and finally getting like a national guy who's finally getting what you know the attention he deserves and stuff. But anyway, we went and saw about a year ago. We're hanging out, and he goes, "Oh man, I got something to show you." And he pulls out this road case, and there's I'm so embarrassed I didn't catch it, like a squiggly line drawn on it. It's like, do you recognize that? Like, I'm like, I know it's Simpsons. I know it's got to be. That's why he's asking me. But I'm like, I can't think of it to save my soul. And he goes, then he yells, and my wife in him. On like completely on their own, both yell at me. Don't you know dignity when you see it? I'm like, oh man, I know the joke. I can't believe I missed that. I can't believe it. So 
fast forward uh, to the Moo Moo guitar. He doesn't know about uh, this is totally coincidental, but he, he texts me. And he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to play on Kimmel. But the day we are playing on Kimmel, we are going directly from the taping to on an airplane to fly to Australia. I'm like, Oh, that sucks. He's like, yeah, but the problem is all our gear is already on the way. Like they booked this thing last minute. Nobody thought the logistics of it. He's like, can I, do you have a friend I can like? I, he's like, I can go get anything, but I, you know, do you have a friend with a coward down there who can meet me for the taping? And so I, had, I was like, oh yeah, I got all that worked out. And then the stars kind of aligned that the Moo Moo guitar wrapped up in time, and so we sent that down there. He didn't know it, you know, and like, <laughs> uh, it, my friend Kate goes and, and meets the band. He has to, like literally has to hang out at the taping because he has to hand it right back. He doesn't even can't even drop it off somewhere. And so yeah, he was everybody in the band was losing their mind over that one. And then it came back, and then a dude, this is very long, a dude in a, I swear to God, Simpsons punk cover band uh, <laughs> called the B-Sharps. And he was like, oh, my God, I would love to have that. And I was like, honestly, man, I'll work something out with you. Like, I, I'll lose a little money on this thing because I want this to happen. I, I <laughs> 100% will make this happen. And he just got it, and he's losing his mind over it. And so – and it was it was razor wire. Like I was like, dude, if this thing sits on the website for too long, it's gonna stay. It's gonna stay in my house. It's not gonna leave. Like it's <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, that was a long story for so, that guitar. <laughs> did you start building Simpsons? Uh, start building guitars because you just wanted to do Simpsons themed guitars? Uh no. I mean, uh, I kind of fell into it. Uh, to touch on how everything else here is all furniture stuff. My dad was a cabinet maker. I grew up doing, for, you know, cabinets and furniture mm -hmm. and designing stuff. And and I just kind of fell into it. The, when I, I took a, I'll make, try to do the quick backstory. I took a year of AutoCAD in high school to avoid taking calculus. It counted as a math class. I got to pre-calculus and realized I'm done. Yeah. This is where math ends for me. Um, I So I took AutoCAD which mostly entailed drawing dicks in CAD form and saving them on other, <laughs> overriding other people's projects with them uh, or hiding them in their house blueprint somewhere. It was pretty fun. Uh, and then my dad, so at this point I was 18. So I've been working in the shop since I was six. There's photos of me catching stuff when it was in our garage. Um, and so I've been there at this point, you know, 12 years or whatever, forever. Uh, I've never had a, I think there was one summer in my entire life and I was an adult when I was not in that shop, uh, you know, and, and, uh, so I've always been there and, and he bought like the first cabinet level CNC machine in the area. Uh, it's like late 1990s, early two thousands. And, uh, it just kind of became my job to program it because I was the, you know, I, you know, I knew computer, I knew computers and I knew AutoCAD. I'm <laughs> about the same level. I still air quotes, no computers in AutoCAD. Uh, but it was enough to do it. And then I just kind of started making stuff on it. And then I made a guitar and then I made a few more and then I made some more after that. And then uh, eventually I designed the Daylighter or what became the Daylighter. And just again, for fun, it was a Jazzmaster Les Paul mashup, essentially um and people kind of dug it and the recession hit and there was no cabinet work to do and or the dot-com one of the many that we've now gone through um and so i was just started selling guitars because people were buying them and then i met nick huber and yuha rakongas at nam i was just there as a spectator 
but I was told by some friends I should go introduce myself. Who and I was like, I didn't know it was like a boutique guitar industry or anything. I just was like, oh, yeah. this was fun. And it was like dudes on a forum that were kind of into it. And, and so I met them, and they were super rad. And I remember that he had a table full of guitars that were, ooh, I want to say four or five grand at the time, which would be a steal now. Uh, and they were all sold in the first day. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I see you, dog. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and then I went to a guitar, sh my first actual guitar show uh, that I showed at in Montreal, which used to be part of the Montreal Jazz Festival, which was still the gold standard of guitar shows that everybody reminisces about. Um, and it was six months after Nam. I walked in. Nick immediately was like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I've been following you. I was hoping that you'd make it, you know, or, you know, and I was like, me? Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, and so that was kind of my, my first introduction that there was this whole boutique thing. Uh, I sold a guitar there. I got immensely drunk. Uh, like That's just what guitar shows drunk. are for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Left a mark on that one. Like, yeah. Uh, Left a mark on the city of Montreal there, actually. Right. Uh, and then came home and quit my job and went full-time building guitars. And then, uh, ironically, you know, still working in the same shop. I was just, and the way the shop's kind of laid out, it's actually two units that we have that are connected technically. So when we went through the next wave of, that was probably the dot-com bubble at that point. Uh, I took over, and I think I've been about three years in at this point. And so I fully took over the lease for one half. Um, and then dad took, you know, kept the other half and that's what kind of kept us both afloat. Um, and now dad's retired shops entirely my shop. Uh, and here we are about to go through another recession. Yay. <laughs> they have announced today in the UK that it's going to last two years. Oh, no, come on. Don't, I'm going to be optimistic. It's going to only last a year and 11 months. Uh, in 28 days. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how I got into it. And just, you know, I kind of just, so, I think I, maybe not knowing there was a boutique scene, maybe not knowing necessarily that I was doing things. Okay, I, I have this argument. There's a lot of people that try to be like, oh, you have to build guitars a certain way. It has to be this or that. It has to be. I'm like, no, man. Like, if you get to the end, the guitar is good. Then you did good. Yeah. You get to the end and the guitar is crap, then you did crappy. Like, that's it. So how you get there there's a thousand ways to get there. And so things that I maybe didn't know at the time or didn't know better, or that were dictated by what tools or I had available uh, have often turned out to be really like silver linings and very specific to what our guitars became. So I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that. So I'm assuming that you, you are a guitarist and you had been sure. during your teenage years. So, <laughs> um, given that your designs are, wonderfully unique um and we, we were chatting about this before you joined the call sure. and how it's been quite nice because I, I think i told you when we were chatting via email that we'd spoken to ken from reverend and his guitars are not another strat another telly sort mm -hmm. of thing that so so what what music were you listening to because we both went, oh, they, they, they look kind of like The Cure might have played them or something. Is, is, yeah. Did the type of music you were listening to inform the style of the guitars that you made? Yeah. Well, so I grew up, you know, I was born, in, I'm 39. I was born in 83. So I definitely grew up in grunge, 
and kind of what I didn't realize at the time was still guitar driven music in general. Uh, but what I actually listened to was classic rock, jazz, blues, that kind of stuff. I, I was always that kid. And actually I kind of am enjoying watching this repeat with my kids mm. um, who also have the same, like my, my youngest, she's uh, seven. I had to think about that too long. Um, <laughs> excellent. Amazingly great pitch already in rhythm. Loves the Beatles. Loves the you know same music that my wife and I grew up on uh, and love. That was not the case. It, like I was that weird kid outside of maybe a handful of people that could probably recite the liner notes from Live at the Fillmore. You know, like I like I my my oldest. We keep trying to as a half torture. Uh, we keep threatening to sign him up for hip hop dance class uh, with <laughs> Lucy. He's like, I hate hip hop. And I'm like, bro, I, I sympathize a little bit. I don't hate it, but it's not my genre. But like, you better be prepared. You're going to listen to a lifetime. Of, you're going to know all these songs, whether you like it or not, because you will be one of three kids who likes Marvin Gaye at your school. And the other 2000 are going to like, I don't know, Cardi B, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, insert name here, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's, you will eventually get to the point where, you know, you're our age and you will be a little nostalgic for some of it. Cause it was just something you're around so much, but no, I grew up listening to Clapton and Zeppelin and all that stuff. And, and oddly like, uh, um, old country, like, uh, uh, I mean, Johnny Horton, uh, <laughs> you know, like some of that, that was my grandfather. And there's always been like, when we would do stuff, we would, you know, that would be kind of a thing. And so I, you know, it's not my, my main bread and butter, but. Yeah, just guitar-driven music. And so, uh, amazingly, uh, to this day, like, it blows my mind. Uh, there are maybe two people I've ever met, two women in my uh, in my orbit. Uh, one I'm married to and one is a good friend. And the one I'm married to is exactly the same musical taste. Like, exact. It is how we met. It is why we know each other in the first place. And, like, my, I always joke, I'm like, you know, that friend of ours, who I love dearly. She's we've known forever. Like she's you, but just three percent off in musical <laughs> tastes. And it is like it's not even like like a like it's just even in the realm of bands in that era that I like. She likes the two or three that I don't actually like, and so I can never leave you for. Like you're fine. It'd be, you're totally safe. Uh, I don't like. Not that I don't like. They're not my favorites. Her her favorites are not my favorites. That must be really reassuring for your wife, that, that explanation. Well, that, that it hangs a real together so well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, she also knows that I would be homeless if I left her or did anything stupid. But we've been, this worked for 21 years, so. Uh. <laughs> you wouldn't be homeless. You've got a shop that you can yeah. live in. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, that's been discussed. No, it's, uh, <laughs> there was a stretch where uh, Paul Roney was living in my shop, and that's um, no, not an acceptable option. Uh, <laughs> I like showers. <laughs> That's, you know, just kind of what I, I, I grew up listening to. And so I think the guitars tend to end on that side of the spectrum of, uh, you know, I also grew up restoring 60s Pontiacs. And so, yeah. you know, that was what my dad was into. And so always kind of been in that orbit. And I think probably some of the construct or the furniture slash guitar thing kind of, or not for guitar, furniture slash cabinet end of, the business that I was doing with my dad growing up in it also tended to be kind of on that realm. And so I just kind of was into that thing, um, you know, 
grew up playing a strat and idolized Clapton, to be honest. Like, you know, got in the deep, you know, he's <clears throat> he's the gateway guitarist, I guess it's fair to yeah. say, you know, for all the current trauma aside, you know, that's how I found Otis Rush or the band or, you know, all these different things and kind of spidered out from there. And, and so, you know, and now yeah. we don't make us well, I guess we make a strat again, technically right now. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it's kind of it's not quite a strat though. Yep. It? Yeah, yeah, it's capable. Yeah, <laughs> I I just joined with um, some other musicians, and we got a WhatsApp group, and the guy that set it up called it the band. And my first post in it is, "We're nowhere near good enough to be the band." <laughs> Can you change it to a band? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That you know, honestly, uh, as much as uh, I will, I'll diverge here a little bit. Again, with my wife, uh, my so Clapton put the band on my radar, and I knew a little bit. But my wife and her family are fanatics. Like my in-laws are at the last waltz; they are wow. on film there, um, and it's a crazy story how all that happened too. And like, and so. To this day, maybe once a year, I have to remind my wife how eternally grateful I am for the band. How, like to like to to be exposed at that level. I'm like, oh man, it's yeah. Ironically, I don't play that much guitar these days because I have kids and 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 because I, I don't do final assembly outside of when we maybe when I get a chance to design something new or something that's really interesting to me. I don't really play them that often because they're done and get boxed up and out the door. Um, Though I do have two electroliners at my house right now, I, I, those are that's a fairly new thing. Um, so I don't play all that often these days. Uh, I play mostly uh, one as a torture mechanism uh, when my kids are being monsters. About usually it's like cleaning their room and they keep <laughs> trying to get out of there. It just happens to be that there's amps in their hallway, and so sometimes I will do the Marines in Nicaragua or whatever. And I'll just play nonsensical, wild riffing until they clip the rooms clean, like they or give up and close their doors and cry and go, you know, whatever. <laughs> but mostly clean their rooms or whatever it is. And then uh, that, and then like ironically, most of what I actually play these days is I would trade it all to have been like one of the Muscle Shoals guys who just plays rhythm. Like I'm very content to just play rhythm Motown stuff, and and especially because my youngest loves to sing. Aretha Franklin stuff. And, and so I'm like just super happy to do that and, uh, or sit on the couch and noodle or something. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so the, the reason why I was in India is because my other job, and my other job is working at a music university. Okay. N not teaching guitar, I teach event management. Um, sure. But one of my fellow lecturers, came in the other day and he said he'd done some stuff with the Muscle Shoals guys and he'd, he'd hung out with David Hood. And I was like, uh, 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 you've hung out with <laughs> Oh, my God. I, and they're like, yeah. But then I was, I was sat with one of the producer guys this week on Tuesday morning. We, we both got in early, so we were sat in the kitchen having a coffee. And he just dropped out that he produced one of Shania Twain's albums. Uh, but it, it wasn't just producing one of Shania Twain's albums. He lived in Switzerland her, at her castle for seven <laughs> months. Yep. Yeah, like, we've all whatever. done it. We've all <laughs> done it. 
I was like, wow. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had one. It was kind of like that. Uh, so Brad Paisley's guy, Gary, his, his guitar player, uh, plays our stuff. And it's another weird round of a friend. And, you know, because that's the thing about where the shop is. So we're in Sacramento. And Sacramento is not the music hub of California. Like, we're not L.A., we just kind of started having enough venue diversity to, to now we don't get just like the, the stadium show. We have some other levels and stuff now. Mm. Anyway, so Gary plays our stuff. And one of the fun things about going and seeing them, especially in Sacramento, is because there isn't a lot of people they know here. They usually always have extra passes. And so for Brad Paisley, uh, those passes means we spend the entire show on stage with the band at the bar they have set up on stage, drinking free beer, uh, you know, four nice. feet behind everybody. Mm-hmm. And so one, we were discussing this kind of, or we, we like met a, like one of our kids' friends, kind of parents for the first time or something like a school, new school friend. And they were over here for a birthday party, whatever. We started talking about all the guitars and stuff here. It's like, it's like oh yeah, so yeah, I build guitars for a living. Oh, that's cool. So well, you know, anybody play your stuff? And so I'm kind of rattling through the list and because that's what everybody asks. And then I come across, you know, it's like, oh yeah, Brad Taylor, the guy plays their stuff. He goes, oh man. I just saw Brad Paisley like two weeks ago. So, oh yeah, we were at that show. So, yeah, we had good seats. I was like, oh yeah, where? He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Do you see those guys that were standing on stage drinking free beer the whole time? He's like, yeah, that was us. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is that? I'm like, eh, you know, so just just a Tuesday night for us. <laughs> am I right? Did Tesla come from Sacramento? They did. We okay. God, this town is so ridiculous. So, Nam a few years ago, uh, I was doing the showcase. So, we usually kind of alternate between we have a big booth and I bring everybody down. And we do the showcase. Uh, and so, that's just four guitars on a table in the showcase. And it was a year we were doing the showcase. And so, we have an accessory line. And I decided at the last minute, I was like, hey, a spot opened up that's kind of nearby. Why don't we? you guys come down and wrap the accessory line and we can bring some extra guitars that way and whatever. And ironically, uh, I hope you didn't have a structure to what you wanted to talk about. No, this has been no. Very meandering. Frank Hannon walks by the, that booth, but not me, the accessory line. And my wife yells at him. Hey, Frank, come here. Come in here. And like, he like stumbles in and they're like, Oh, Hey, you know, and, and like, we kind of had some weird paths that have like kind of been near orbits of each other. But not ever really crossed paths. So he ended up coming down to the shop, hanging out, whatever. Super nice guy. And then like a month later, my Teresa's dad, my, my father-in-law, realizes that Frank Hannon is his nephew. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You know, I'm like, this town is <laughs> Sacramento. Yep. Yeah. It, but yeah, it's just, yeah, they're they're the uh the Deftones also are Sacramento. Oh, uh, right. We, okay. we have a couple. We we get a few here and there. Because you're uh, technically the capital of California, aren't you? We are, technically. <laughs> and we are actually the capital of California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, yeah. But we we grew up specifically in the suburb that is now indistinguishable from Sacramento. It's called Elk Grove, which is just south of it. And so, like, Elk Grove was especially bad. Like, my uh, kids go to an elementary school named after my junior high principal. And when I was at that junior high, my math teacher married my old babysitter who then went on to be my oldest's kindergarten teacher. 
Uh, and then there was like one other level of we just that's how that town was. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of towns that work like that. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we know, we know. In fact, my wife's from one of them. So, uh... <laughs> I'm going to jump back in only because yes. there's two things that have struck me that I, if I don't get in now, well, I'll miss completely. But one. <laughs> One, because we—I don't think we've ever mentioned this in in all the conversations we've had, but it's that link between fifties cars and guitar design. Yep, that really does come through your stuff. Without a well, shadow, that uh, that expression of confidence, that because I mean the fifties was it was a very I mean I know we had the, what went on the sixties, but but that's the first first bit of consumerism, and there's that real. Flair and flamboyance Sorry. and confidence around the car design at the time, isn't yep. that? You know. Yep. Well, I mean, and even in the guitar industry, you figure, okay, the Firebird, yeah. Ray Dietrich, who was Cadillac, I think, or, yeah. or one of the GM guys. Uh, the Banshee name is the original name for the Pontiac Firebird, uh, which is kind of why we ended up calling the Banshee that. It was kind of a nice tie-in, and and like, and to to me, there's kind of early 50s, late 40s, Art Deco-esque, which I love, but I, as a design, I mean, I love, but I never quite can pull that vibe off quite as well as maybe like some other people can. Um, and then there's like that late, like 57 to 65, kind of that block for automotive design and stuff that is just, it's rad. I mean, that's why we're seeing it all like, you know, Ford realizing after 30 years of making kind of ugly Mustangs, like, hey, what if we just made that old one again, right? And like everybody's like, oh, genius. <laughs> I actually have a neighbor who I think, I mean, is in the in the neighborhood here. I think might actually own the Nissan dealership in town because he has the new Z already, and it's it is so good looking. And, but I'm like, but also empirically, I know it's what I do for a living. It's just an old Z, but new again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? But I respect the decision, and I, I think that's kind of where I'm at in in terms of my design aesthetic. And uh, you know, every once in a while, like I'll, I'll stray just to show that we can do something weirdly modern or something like that because i like i i as a nerd i love all that stuff like uh my buddy omer for od guitars i love all this you know very modern fan fret seven string buckeye burl tops like all this stuff that we don't do and i will occasionally do it just because i'm bored and i don't know what to do with it once i do it but like i i as a nerd i fundamentally love that stuff too uh, but it's just not my design wheelhouse. Uh, honestly, after building cabinets for 20 odd years, just making anything that's not a rectangle yeah, yeah. is yeah. like a big accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, but it, it really, it really comes through and it comes through, it, you know, and it, and it hits you off the, I was going to say off the page, but it's not, the, not off the page, it's off the screen, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the second thing, and I've decided I'm going to actually treat myself to three things just while I'm getting yes. a word in. Um, the, <laughs> The the second thing is you said I'm sure you said 1.2 miles the best guitar builder <laughs> one point is that two kilometers that might be yeah, I, it I, might I, be I, I didn't know where the 1.2 came from so I just, that was a bit of clarification <laughs> and then the third thing right and obviously talking about guitarists or when we got to the Muscle Shoals guys but actually you always the question is always oh you know. If I could be any guitarist, I would be because he's the most incredible yeah. guitarist. I wonder if I'd just like to swap places with Steve Cropper for a while. Hundred percent, right? Like I, I think as a kid, I wanted to be Paige or you know, one of those guys, and then I kind of realized I'm just not going to be. You know, I mean, obviously, but as I've gotten older, especially, yeah, 
I would just be happy. Uh, well, first of all, I'll make two con conditions here. I would trade every ounce of talent I have, and that's not much, but I have some, uh, to be truly gifted at playing the B3, to, to be able to really play an organ. I love the B3. Um, but my hands cannot work independently. They, that's why I can't play fingerstyle guitar very well. Uh, these hands need to be doing roughly the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I would have loved to have just been a guy in the room, honestly, for mm. that. Uh, I have a friend who was Otis Rush's sax player. And there was a big, like, I remember I was like, man, are you on this album? Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite albums. And he goes, no, that's the only album that's done in Muscle Shoals with those guys. I'm like, it's not my favorite album. It's not my favorite album. It's not my favorite album. Sorry. It's, it's, it's yeah. So good, man. Those guys were just, any of them. I mean, all of them. Like the, the, I've grown to, again, maybe with age or whatever, really appreciate how difficult it is to be a good, appropriate rhythm guitar player. Mm. How it is, it's like the same thing with like, like Ringo, right? Like Ringo is not Bonham, but the Beatles could not be the Beatles with John Bonham. They could only be with Ringo. He's yeah. the right guy for exactly that. By default, Led Zeppelin could only be Led Zeppelin with Bonham, it, and exactly. could only be the Who with with Keith Moon. And yeah, you, know, you go through that process, yep. don't you? I never thought about it before, and it was just when we were talking, and I just thought, you know, I mean, I saw Prince play live, and Prince still remains the best live guitarist I've ever seen. Probably sure. the most naturally gifted guitarist I have ever seen with an insane ability to play because he played things that just weren't possible. He'd play yep. something, and you go, well, you can't do what you just did. That's, <laughs> it's not actually, that's not how you've just done that, how you've dropped in in yeah. a weird point and played something that's just completely defying what I understand as the, as the rules of music. How have you just done that? That's just not possible. But yep. then you look at somebody like, Cropper all and you just go, yeah, but what you've seen, the rooms you've been in, what you've been a part of, that that's just, you know. Oh, it's crazy. Unreal. I always try to whenever I have to train somebody new at the shop, like the best analogy I can give, because it's kind of like this, it's the same thing for, for guitar players. Uh like when you watch somebody who is good at drums, they look a certain way right they look a little frantic still while they play it but when you watch someone who's truly gifted at playing drums they look like they're doing nothing mm. uh that they're just like this is something they're like they're not even there mentally like they're just thinking about tahiti or something while they're just and then, and then you listen to what they're doing and you're like i can't no one could do like that is there is a level of our job that's like that right like if you come to the shop and you're really good at this job you don't look like you're working that hard. You shouldn't be. Like you, you're efficient in what you're doing. You're you're not wasting energy. You're not wasting time. Uh, it, it's a physically demanding job. Uh, there's so much sanding. There's so much sanding in building guitars. It's all sanding. <laughs> like if, like if you, like I can always kind of tell them like, yeah, dude, I think you're working too hard at this. Maybe you're not quite there. Let's figure out why you're having to do this. Why it's so difficult, right? Like it shouldn't look this hard. You shouldn't have to spend. X amount. And like, I've noticed, like, there's just that line where all of a sudden you see that person cross that threshold and you're like, all right, I don't have to watch you anymore. I know it. You got it. You, you're good. You're good to go. You're doing this exactly the right way with the exact right amount of time and effort so that you can continue doing this. Cause if you don't cross that level, it will destroy your joints at the minimum. But you know, it's, it's that kind of 
I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of like that. And those those guys, Crawford's one of them like that, where they just, you know, they look kind of like they're just, you know, oh, yeah. And like, oh, oh, that was a I can't pretty... do anything that well. Yeah, I can't exactly. do anything. With, and I know what you're talking about. And I can't do anything yep. in the way you've just described. Yeah. <laughs> I also, well, I will say, I try to remind my employees that I generally hate working, hate this job, and am lazy. <laughs> and do not want to put it's not a great business pitch but i'm like you should be lazy too don't you want to get this task done with efficiently so we can move on to the next thing uh we all want to be dr nick and get paid uh and and but like but you can't use it at the expense of quality but at a certain point you can also like i, I will have to sometimes tell people i'm like uh Okay, my wife is a, again. My wife, my wife's an English teacher specifically, so sometimes she'll have to have the same conversation with. If I ask you to write four paragraphs and you write eight paragraphs, that doesn't make it twice as good. Uh, you know, it it if this job requires this certain thing to be done a certain way, and you somehow make it take twice as long, it probably won't be twice as good. We ought to, to stop this. there. I only see yeah. reason I'm saying that is because that phrase, just because you've written eight paragraphs doesn't make it twice as good, is probably the best bit of this podcast so far. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with guitars, and it's all down yep. to your wife. But that is an amazing <laughs> phrase. It's, it's it's the reality. that She struggles with this, and I struggle with it with people in the shop sometimes. I'm like, guys, you know. Uh, I have one guy, he's fairly new. And so like, sometimes like, we'll like we do the, a lot of the acrylic pick barbs. And so we laser cut all those. And like, you have to, because of the way the laser works, you have to sand the edge and then polish the edge. And sometimes I'm like, dude, you don't like, you don't need to take that to like a thousand grit. Like it's fine, man. Hit it with 400 and go to the buffer. But that's what this, that's what those two tools are meant to do. Uh, and like, you know, something like, and I'm like, cause also, there is this one in maybe four odds that you're going to crack that thing when you hit it to the buffer. And then there's another one in four odds. You're going to scratch the backside when you countersink it. So it's going to be like, just, just, just hit it with 400. Just trust me Then buff it. Then pray you don't crack it. Then pray you don't scratch it. Then pray you don't mess it up, putting it on the guitar. Cause if you've put four times the amount of working at the first step, and then you do one of those other steps, you're going to hate life, man. You should just be hating life to waste another half your day on this thing. Uh, you know, and so try to try to think of this efficiently. And then but ultimately what happens is when you get into that mindset, the product improves because then you start to focus on where's my energy best expelled? Is my energy best expelled being frantic drummer or writing three more paragraphs or is my energy best expelled in doing exactly the right thing as needed for this thing? And then letting my time be where I don't have a choice and that requires that to be a three hour job. But this doesn't. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of helps. And and I will attempt to segue around this back to where we might have started this conversation. Some of our guitar designs relate to that in some regards, like the headstock shape on both models, but the set next particularly uh, was a, I'm not good at binding. And if I have to do this with a bound headstock, better not make it D'Angelico complicated because I don't know how they do that. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Yeah, And how do I make a headstock that will sit on potentially five or six different body shapes and look pretty good? And, uh, you know, so it's a pretty simple headstock, but it works and it always kind of fits what we're doing. And uh, so there's been a lot of that that does segue into design influence. Like Super Chief has, a, anytime I can have a guitar with a full pickguard and both pickups are on the pickguard, 
I love it because then I can write route that thing to be somewhat universal, whether it's a bathtub or just like super cheap has like a P90 and a humbucker route essentially combined. So either option fits. And so that makes me flexible production wise. Um, but it also makes the end user flexible. So, you know, you can buy a pick cards from us in theory. We're really bad about it. Uh, I'm going to make improvements there, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, people will buy a super cheap or buy a, you know, Corona and sometimes they'll just change it up. And, and for me as a business owner, that's great. That keeps the guitar off the market. Uh, you know, if somebody's like, oh man, I really love this thing, but I'm kind of bored of it, or I wish it had P90s or I wish it had this one. You can do that. Why not? Uh, Banshee doesn't have that option. That's one thing about Banshee that's tough is it's very specific. You, you can't really change it after the fact. <laughs> I'm loving the fact that your entire business seems to be based around the the kind of premise of don't overplay. Don't... Uh, it seems to be getting there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't do any more than you need to. Get it. Get it. Get yeah. it. Get it there. Get it right. Fine. You know. It. it don't add too much flavor. <laughs> well, okay. There is that. That's a good thing way to describe it. Okay. I can't get into taking myself seriously. Taking our industry seriously in some regards. Like I'm not in the, I'm an artist and I must be responding. I don't fucking care, man. I build guitars for a living. Like it's, I get paid to make Simpsons jokes occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and so, but I'm very like, we're right now, we're in, I, well, I should say we were, I'm in the weeds because of, I'm finessing over what is turning out to be about three thousandths of an inch on how we are now doing our fret boards with the Plex machine. And so this kind of evolved from like a, uh, you know, we bought the Plex a couple years ago and we were using it mostly just to do fret cut nut cutting. And then we started doing fretboard leveling. Uh, no, sorry, fretboard slotting when we started doing the bolt-ons. But we are still doing the fretboards on the CNC and then we put the inlays in and we finish leveling off one more time. And I was like, well, if we already have it in there and it's in the software, let's see how the Plex does it. And then we started scanning that out and going, oh, there is a little bit more room for improvement here. So we started doing that. So for about the last year, the Plex has been doing essentially the final leveling process on all the fretboards on all the models before they get fretted. Uh, so they're coming off the CNC already radiused and kind of leveled. But anyway, it's a, it's very in the nerd need. But so now I was sitting on the couch playing my banshee like a couple weeks and weekends ago, and we're just kind of coming into the time of year where it's going to be time to do some truss rod adjustments. That's just a little seasonal, and they won't take much, but they're pretty flat for relief uh, coming off the plec, and we don't always put a little bit more in there, even though my personal setup standard is a little bit more than that. But my this banshee I have is just a little buzzy on the bass side, but not on the treble side. And I'm like, I could just raise the bridge, but I really like how this thing plays. And to be honest, I'm playing so little guitar these days that it's probably just my left hand has lost some strength. Like if I just burn it a little harder, it'd probably clean right up. Uh, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, okay, if we're doing all this, what would happen if I decided to intentionally twist our neck slightly? And by that, I mean, when we have it doing the fretboard leveling, it's essentially doing it flat start to finish with a little bit of control fall off. Uh, what if I intentionally told it, cut the treble side flat, but cut the bass side with three to five thousandths curve into it in relief. And then when we do the final process on the fretting and the neck, 
the treble side of the neck can be set for like three to four thousandths relief kind of on the initial setup, uh, which is very flat. Um, you know, usually about six to eights where we typically would want the neck to end up over a couple of weeks under tension. But that's, that's where we'll start pretty flat. But if it's three or four thousandths on the treble side, but I've already put intentionally on the base side another three or four thousandths into the actual fretboard surface, basically just under the E and the A string and a little bit tapering off by the D, then that side of the neck will actually have more relief built in automatically slightly and will allow for the much larger orbit those strings make. So that's been my month long obsession, which we're going to about to, we're like those first few guitars that have that process done will be strung up next week. They're just getting into assembly and it may make no difference. It may make all the difference. Uh, it may be something that some dude comes along and goes, oh, this next got twisted in it because they think they can see that. They think they can see 3,000s uh, and then completely unlevel my process and ruin it, uh, <laughs> which will probably happen uh, at some point. I've definitely had that argument with people. But uh, like that's the level of nerdy seriousness that I take it. But I also know that if I waste a bunch of time on something that doesn't require that level of thinking or that much thought process or that much effort, I never get to get to that point. I don't get to have the time in my day, my mind, my brain at some point to have that, hey, if I spent 10 minutes and tried this out, this could be awesome. And, you know, and so that's where, you know, trying to be efficient about what we do is very important. Uh, very long way to get to that point. <laughs> uh I've only got, um, and we we mentioned it earlier. I've just got uh, well, a couple of things left written down. But you you did mention your um, sort of like charity work that you've been doing to yeah. to raise money, and and the, so I I'd found on either your Facebook, which you haven't updated since November. Oh, I I, just... I won't. I can't. I, <laughs> Facebook is. I think everybody found out which one of their relatives went insane in the last two years, <laughs> and I just had to bounce. I I, I couldn't do it. I I think I literally was like. Hey guys, if you want to see what's recent, go to Instagram because I ain't gonna be here no more. Uh, yeah. So Facebook's like there's even like I think I put actually Dustin who has the Mr. Sparkles guitar. I think he's an admin on like the Cower Group. I haven't been on him in ages. I can't. I just can't. Uh, <laughs> um, so you got the, the the food bank donations that you were doing and mm -hmm. the Afghanistan evacuation sort yep. of thing. Uh, and yep. I was just a bit. I was kind of interested because um, I, I mean the evac the the evacuation from Afghanistan, from the British point of view, was a disaster. Oh yeah, from our point of view too. Oh. <laughs> I will. I will say, I don't know how this would have gone any differently. Whether it happened when it happened, or happened ten years later, or three years later, or earlier. I, I don't. That's a whole other podcast and discussions and thing. Uh, our thing was. We came into the pandemic. This is kind of how this started. I, it's really funny. Not funny. It sucks. Uh, we got our plaque delivered while I was at NAM 2020, January. Joe Glazer flies out, sets it up, February 2020. Two weeks later, shelter in place happened and the world shut down. Like we caught it that close. Like it was, it was, if they had shown, if Joe had scheduled that flight two weeks later, I would have had the equivalent of a nice Porsche money wise sitting in a box in the shop for probably six months to a year. Like it would have been just this thing that we never got to use. Uh, we had a lot of things that aligned just like that 
to put us in a position to weather out. Like I told it, like we went home, I was like, everybody needs to sign up for unemployment. It's going to be a disaster. And I don't know how long I can keep you paid. And I was frustrated. The frustrating thing for me as a business owner with this business is it takes so long to train somebody to do this job well. And I was like, I, I don't want to lose the human capital. I got investment in these people mm. and I like everybody here and I don't want, you know, so all that happens. And then a bunch of customers came to our rescue and put stuff on order, knowing that I did not know when we could get to it. Like I, you know, didn't know when I'd be allowed to go back to work when collectively we could go back to work. Like I went back to work pretty quick because what's the difference if I'm alone by myself at the shop or alone here in isolate, what's the difference? Uh, and technically the shop, <laughs> probably fraud, but because technically half that shop was in the construction industry was still considered essential services. Um, I was kind of cheating it a little bit, but again, I was there by myself. Nobody came to work for three months. Um, so all of that went down and we were able to weather out until we got some government assistance. Uh, some payroll assistance. And then about three or four months in, we started getting panicky emails from like CME and places like that. And like, we have nothing. We've sold everything. Like we're like, dudes are selling their own guitars here. Like, uh, what can you get us? And I was like, I'm working by myself here. I don't, I don't know. And uh, we started getting just inundated with orders. Like we're still filling guitars in our orders from then. Well, from about a year in, I should say six months or seven months in. And so all of that's going down. And I'm thinking, you know, A, it's insane that this is the busiest I've ever been, ever. Like, this is like dream levels of work. Um, and it's extremely frustrating because I don't have anybody there to help me get it done. And then all the supply side stuff and all, okay, so it's a whole other thing. But at the meantime, while that's going on, I'm watching friends' businesses implode. And I don't know, I, I guess it's some of it's guilt. Uh, but I just kind of was like, you know, we should not be so lucky. Again, I make money in the dumbest possible way. Um, and people are very gracious to keep us afloat for a guy who makes Simpsons jokes occasionally and occasionally builds a good guitar. Um, or a great, great one, I guess. Maybe. Or, or good a average. Yeah, <laughs> a cromulent guitar. Thank you. Yes, a perfectly cromulent guitar. Uh, and so we, all of that's kind of going on. And I was like, I kind of, you know, want to, I, I, you know, I want to help people and do what we can. And then what broke the straw for that or the, the broke the dam loose was when George Floyd happened, I had a friend who said something that was so crystallizing to the moment for me that I was like, okay, you gotta get your shit together. And, and you can, you can bring you, you've been blessed and fortunate. I hate using that word, but we've been very fortunate to be able to do this. Let's do some good. Let's try. And, and it was also kind of out of frustration of everything, you know, and, and so we, yeah, the first ones we did was like, uh, food banks, we try to be non-denominational. Like I, 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 my biggest fear is turning our Instagram into Facebook, to be honest, is why I hate, like, and, and I'm very careful about, I have opinions, but Cower Guitars does not necessarily. I have a stance, but Cower Guitars is a I don't believe in our Supreme Court case that says corporations are people because we're not, uh, you know, we just try to do good. We it, like some of this stuff is just basic level. We can put some good in the universe. And it had some pushback from the type of people I expected that from. But I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't want you as a customer uh, if this is bothering you. And like, I'm like, if you're upset that we're donating money to food banks, like you don't have to like 
and it became this thing where it kind of was like drinking from a fire hose. Like once that dam broke loose, I was like, I don't know what's a vetted charity. Um, what's an organization that's actually useful or actually getting money or actually could use the assistance. And so we started getting suggestions and trying to vet this out so that people could be like, Hey, you know, if I don't want to do, I don't know, the ACLU, can I do a food bank? Yeah, absolutely. Always local food bank. Don't care. Just show me you're putting some good in the universe and trying to help people out. And we will help facilitate that by rewarding you with a guitar. Um, and so the first round went really well. And then with Afghanistan, that was kind of the next time. And it was like that same boat where like we kind of just lumped on somebody else's big fundraiser because I was like, this is, seems to be the most vetted direct way to help people right this instant. And I really don't like the idea of good being the enemy of perfect. It was no, there's some expression like it. it. Sometimes this stuff falls into this trap of like, we, you know, you raised all this money and it's not so much on my end because we didn't raise that much money, but like for this thing and it didn't do as much as we hoped. I'm like, yeah, but you still did good. Do good. We can help. We can help in any way we can. Uh, and so we did that. And then we did the Ukrainian kind of the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, we did a bunch there, which I'm hopelessly behind on getting those guitars done for They're, I think we just wrapped the last Afghanistan one, to be honest. Like it's, it's tough because we build those, so a Corona is, uh, and that's part of why we named Corona what we did, because that's how it just coincided that the first one went to this first fundraiser thing idea. Uh, we build those completely out of pocket. I don't get any free parts. I don't get discounts from my vendors for it. I, this is built. So, uh, you know, a $3,000 Corona, we're eating a thousand bucks still coming in the same case that we would ship a paid customer's guitar in, which is not cheap anymore. And same parts and hardware. We're doing that all out of pocket, all out of labor. You know, the other person donated two grand directly to some organization that we were said, okay, that sounds great. Do it. And we're off to the races. And I think we're at, Oh God, I, I was just running the numbers. I think we've done 150 or almost $200,000 in the last of, of direct donation fundraising in the last two and a half years, uh, which is amazing. It's a little stressful because uh, it's very hard for people to want to necessarily be understand of the fact that if I only built the donation guitars, I'd be out of business. Uh, I got <laughs> to slip them in where I can. <laughs> You know, and, and they, they've kind of spiraled a little bit on terms of what they were going to be to what they kind of became. But generally, it's, you know, it's been great. We're getting through the list and probably, unfortunately, will be a while before we can do it again. Maybe and it may not be under these same conditions anymore, because if we go into a recession, I can't afford to eat as yeah. much as I am currently. Uh, but, yeah, it's been it's something that I'm eternally proud of. You know, between not ever having to lay anybody off during the pandemic, which was a big accomplishment. I mean, there's six of us at the shop. It's not a big business. We live invoice to invoice. Uh, and, and you know, we try to in, get two guitars done a day, um, at least completed. That's the current dictates is the assembly side. That's what dictates our overall pacing. Um, and uh, hopefully get paid on those two. And if we can do that four times a week, we can sneak two in you know, non-payable ones in there or a dealer or a, you know, inventory build or something like that. It doesn't always hit the way we want, but uh, you know, I didn't have to lay anybody off and we raised a lot of money. Uh, a lot of people in our industry stepped up, not on the big side, but on the boutique side. And, and I gotta be honest, man, I've waxed poetic before. It's the greatest industry I've ever been in. I, I, I 
I, not just a guitar side, pedal side, amp side, you know, if I know 2000 of these people, I hate two of them. Nah, I hate's a strong word. I hate one of them. I dislike <laughs> two more of them. Uh, I have 10 relatives and I strongly dislike the hate a stronger ratio than that. Uh, you know, or, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a much higher percentage. Like it's, it's, mind-boggling that that this group of people is if you're not copying somebody else's work you're in the club man we all suffer we like very few of us get rich doing this and some of us don't even make it past ever just making sure the bills get paid and, and yet you know we, we all call each other up and vent when we need to vent and talk each other off the ledge when we need to be talked off the ledge or sometimes begrudgingly talked off <laughs> you know about quitting and getting real jobs and, and yeah it's you know so we're we're happy to do our part Brilliant. i i think that's probably the perfect place to end it end it don't you Ant? i absolutely agree absolutely agree what that is <laughs> stunning stunning um story really is or not well, story but well thank you yeah wow i appreciate that i i i've been very lucky uh and it's it's i don't know it, I, yeah it's a very enjoyable business and i do as much as i will if you catch me on, if this interview was on Monday, you'd probably catch a different version of me because payroll comes out the next morning and Monday <laughs> night, Doug, is not as fun as Thursday afternoon, Doug, where the account is, I haven't gotten the email from Chase saying we're overdrawn and uh, everything's great. Uh, but yeah, oh, great strong word right now. But yeah, you know, it's it's just kind of, it's a, it's a unique business. Well, Brilliant. thank you very much for coming on uh, the podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I should thank... Um, Elena as well for introducing us. She's fantastic. Just fantastic. Before we go, we need to thank our sponsor. Oh yeah. God, uh, terrible, aren't I? Forget you are, you are. Week. Yes. Uh so thank you very much, Focus Right, um, for your continued support. You are wonderful and fantastic and lovely, and we we do we do care for you deeply. Uh and as Jason always says, Jace. This podcast is made using the Scarlet 2i2. There we have it. There we have it. Jace, I'll see you next time. Doug, it's been a pleasure. You guys, my, all mine. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.